Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. This is the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming. I'm an International Sports Sciences Association fitness trainer. Boy, that's a mouthful. And I've got specialties in senior fitness, nutrition, and I'm about to complete yet another round of study in in transformation, the subject of transformation and the psychology of transformation. I want to take you back on a little bit of a timeline and and tell you what it is that makes me qualified to even have a podcast. And before I go any further, I will tell you there are absolutely no requirements to have a podcast. You don't have to have a degree, a specialty, a subspecialty. Uh, You don't necessarily have to have an experience. In fact, you can just be full of baloney yourself, religion, politics, anything else and you can start a podcast. And, uh, I mean, if you were a grand champion rabbit hunter, you could have a podcast on rabbit hunting. But in the real world, there are those of us who have studied, who have worked in a profession, and who have gained credentials, uh, which makes us somewhat of of an expert. Now, even in this community of fitness trainers, there are people who are more qualified and more experienced than me. It doesn't how, matter how many years you spend taking classes or taking courses. Uh, the grit comes down to the point of experience working with other people and applying what you learned in helping those people meet their fitness goals. About a year and a half ago, I started working with a young lady named Deborah Brown. Deborah was 57 at the time. She was at a point of inflection in her own life where it was either fish or cut bait. And by that, I mean Deborah was sick enough and obese enough that she could have died on any given day uh, from any of the complications due to diabetes, possibly heart disease, uh, circulation issues, uh, respiratory issues, Um, You know, just anything could have happened, but she knew that it was time to do something. And um, hey, my phone's ringing. I'm going to take this call and I'll get right back to you. We'll have a short break. Well, 
Well, I'm back after a brief pause, and I'm going to tell you, folks, when uh, one of your clients calls you, uh, you know, and you're a trainer, you know, highest priority is to uh, see what's going on. And this guy's 92 years old, and, you know, he's got to be, you know, uh, a source of joy for me, of pride, and and uh, he's alert, he's active, he's he's involved in the community, uh, he's benevolent, and, and I hope when I get to Tim's age that I'm just like him as far as my interaction in the community. So anyway, I started out the podcast by uh, talking about what it takes to be a podcaster, and I wanted to recap and bring you up to date in, uh, in talking in general about this subject of transformation, and I had shared with you briefly about uh, one of my clients for now a year and a half named Deborah Brown, who had reached that point where it was, like I said, fish or cut bait to make a decision about, you know, what she was going to do to have this personal transformation in her life. Now, I'm still training Deborah, and as recently as yesterday, uh, we were out doing a very challenging hike slash walk uh, with a lot of hills and uh, in, in hot weather, uh, climbing, 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 climbing until we had climbed the equivalent of a, of a 500 foot hill in about an hour and a half. And so, so in case you wondered, Deborah is still on track. And, um, and I've asked her this question a time or two. Uh, to think back to when we began, when when she was still uh, close to 300 pounds, and um, and still having to take uh, full doses of uh, diabetes medicine and uh, other medications, I can't go into all that because it's not mine to share. But you know, yesterday before we began our workout, she shared with me uh, printouts from her most recent uh, blood test. And it does my heart good to see that this formerly severe diabetic now has an A1C of 5.3. See, this is a measurable outcome of what she's done for the last year and a half. And uh, it all began with uh, a, a thought in her mind. You know, it began with her being frustrated with where she was of not wanting to be limited as she got ready to merge into her life after 60. And um, the forecast was bad for Deborah. You know, it, um, you know, her mobility was low, her strength was low, her endurance was low, her weight was high, um, her numbers on her blood test were not good. And, um, and so she was facing the prospect of uh, progressively getting sicker with diabetes alone and you know with diabetes we always have the prospect of, of heart disease that accompanies, accompanies it, kidney failure that accompanies it, um, reduced circulation throughout the extremities especially in the uh, lower part of the legs and feet and uh, if you've known anybody in your life that got to those advanced stages of diabetes. They were facing things like dialysis, amputations, um, sores that wouldn't heal, uh, lots of time spent uh, in wound clinics, uh, having their sores treated, uh, and even in the more advanced stages, the possibility of blindness. And um, so, 
Deborah didn't necessarily know everything that could happen to her as her disease progressed, but she definitely wanted to change. And, you know, this was part of her own psychological makeup that was uh, rooted in her emotions and rooted in uh, her life experience, her limitations, uh, her anxiety, her all of those things work together. And, um, and, you know, and I don't know exactly what her thoughts were at that point, but she wanted to do, sorry about that ding, another client, sorry, that's, that's just the way this goes. And I'm working with a fellow in, in Iowa. Thank you, Bruce, and I'll, I'll talk to you later. Um, he listens to the podcast, so good guy. Anyway, so Deborah, you know, found herself at a crossroads in life where um, it was urgent for her to do something. Do something. Fortunately, Deborah had a support system in the form of her nephew who knew me and had uh, walked with me probably hundreds of miles. And uh, he asked me, would you train my aunt? And that's how the introduction was made. By the time Deborah came to work with me, she had already lost uh, about 20 or 30 pounds and she was already of the mindset that she was going to do that. So as a trainer, I didn't have to point to her all of the obvious things that were going south in her life. Uh, She was uh, acutely aware. She'd already had a couple of serious falls that required uh, EMTs to to help her. And, um, you know, and so anyway, we got started. And in the beginning, uh, mostly just walking, you know, just walking in the gym. And she did attend my senior fitness classes. And so that was her introduction to, you know, uh, strength and conditioning with regard to lifting weights. And I think back to many of my seniors in my classes who wanted something to do. They wanted an activity, you know, and, and fitness seemed to be a logical choice for them. And we could, uh, we could start them with maybe dumbbells that were only two pounds. And since most of the exercise was seated, they could do most of the things. Now, I had people that were on walkers, people with canes. Uh, we've even had some in wheelchairs. We've had some people that wore portable oxygen. Yes, you can get some exercise even if you have those kind of limitations. And these people were faithful to come to the classes and, and do what they could. By and large, all of these seniors that were in my fitness classes said they felt better. Now that better wasn't necessarily proven by blood work or, or anything else, but they felt better in their bodies and they felt better about themselves. So at some point, their self-esteem was improved because they felt like they were doing something positive to help them have truly good quality lives as senior citizens. And it doesn't matter whether you're uh, walking your dog or picking beans or pulling tomatoes or uh, picking up pecans or vacuuming your house or any other given task. If you just feel a little better, it's a really good thing. If your arthritis becomes a little more manageable and a little less painful, and your reliance on anti-inflammatory drugs goes down, that's a win. It is a win. And if you feel better, you feel like doing things. And if you 
do things and you socially engage, um, you know, you just become a more purposeful individual all the way around. You know, you feel like there's a good cause to keep on living and trying and fighting the good fight and, and staying active. And of course, the opposite end of that is you stay home more, you do less, you see fewer people, you have less fun, and um, you get weaker, and you get withdrawn, and you don't have mental stimulation, you don't have spiritual stimulation, uh, you might quit going to church or quit going as often. You know, so why don't people um, do this health and fitness thing? Why don't people say, I wonder if I could do this transformation process. What could I do to change me and give myself a good chance, a fighting chance to be healthier in my senior years? And there's all kinds of reasons. I mean, it could go back to maybe, uh, I'm thinking about one man in particular who had had a car wreck years ago and really banged up his knee. And he believed that there was nothing he could do because he had chronic pain in that knee. I understand that chronic pain. Well, I wasn't going to ask him to take up running because that's not realistic. My job as a trainer to say, is say, okay, you've got a bad knee. I'll give you that. And you walk with a little bit of a limp and you use a cane. I'll give you that. I understand. But what about the rest of your entire body? Um, so anyway, um, he came and attended classes with us and, and uh, you know, such as he could walk, he did. He would lift weights and he would stretch and he would do the breathing exercises with us. All of this made him feel better. He, you know, he, he didn't feel like he was just sitting alone at home in his apartment every day um, waiting for his eventual death. He felt like he was being proactive he was being social. He was laughing. There, there were people. Um, there were people that he could interact with and get to know. People he had never known. So he had new friends in his circle. So this fitness thing, this question about getting fit, um, you know, we have realistic expectations in the senior population. Um, you know, I. I am probably as fast as I'm ever going to be when it comes to, say, in my favorite activity, which is running, um, because, you know, I'm over 60. Um, I have some inflammation in my knees and sometimes my feet. Uh, sometimes my back hurts. You know, I, I, I experience this right along with all the other people that are over 60 because of a lifetime of surgeries and wear and tear and, you know, injuries and just, just stuff, you know, and, but, uh, we've got to start at a point where we work with what we've got and we work with what we know. And there's got to be a realistic approach to all of that. We've got to be, um, mindful of the fact that we are in fact people that are advancing in middle age and that, you know, job one for us should be to stay healthy, stay active, stay fit for our ages, and to do the things that help prevent us dying prematurely. And by prematurely, I mean, uh, 
let's just say the difference between you living to a healthy 75 and a healthy 80 is walking five times a week. What, what if that would be the one thing that would help you be a healthy 80-year-old? You know, so, but what if you're 60 and you're 100 pounds overweight? We know, medically speaking, that that is morbid obesity, and morbid obesity is guaranteeing that you are not going to live as long as you could. And that's a soft way of saying uh, morbid obesity kills us faster. Uh, morbid obesity results, of course, in, or it can result in type 2 diabetes, it can result in heart failures. Uh, circulation problems, sleeping problems, sleep apnea. There's just a checklist of things that come with morbid obesity. And the people that are most apt to think about transformation are those that are unhappy with their weight, limited by their weight, scared of their weight, uh, have already had problems uh, in their lives as a result of obesity, and, uh, you know, they don't want their lives to go further down that path and so they may contemplate uh, could I be a transformation story Deborah probably never had the notion of becoming a transformation story Deborah just wanted to live Deborah just didn't want to be limited by a massive amount of excess body fat and so when I talk to her these days, and um, you know I probably still work out with her five days a week, um, or train her five days a week, and I always tailor the workouts based on her present needs and her present goals. Her present goal is to maintain her weight loss. My gosh, she's lost over 140 pounds. Uh, she's strong, and uh, so, but you know, like me and like others, she has some of the effects of having been morbidly obese and the wear and tear on her body through all of that process. But she's working with me, she's working with her doctors, and she can do just about everything that a normal 57-year-old would be able to do, or 58-year-old now, uh, at this point in her life. So, you know, we focus a lot on leg strength, we focus a lot on uh, on uh, cardiovascular health and these are the things that got her a really good report card if you will from her doctor just yesterday and when I go down through her uh, her um, her blood test records you know about three or four pages of these numbers I don't know what all of them mean necessarily I know some are checking for cancers cancers some are checking for white blood cell counts hemoglobin uh, bun uh, you know, vitamin D deficiencies, all those sorts of things are in the test. Um, you know, we're looking at how well her kidneys are functioning, all of those things, what her uh, cholesterol levels are. And when you get an excellent report card like that, that means your body's working well. And hers is working so much better that um, Monday may be the day when she finds out that she is off of all her diabetes medication. We don't know yet. Uh, she's down to half dose now. She never had to take injections. But my goodness, what a transformation story. Here's a woman. At the time, she was 57. She was frustrated with 
the way things were going. She was frustrated with her health. She was frustrated with her size and inability to find clothes that fit and fit well. And uh, so, you know, I've watched her drop a couple of sizes uh, over this last year, and it's just remarkable what a person can do when they decide to transform. Now, my goal as a trainer when working with an individual is to help a person figure out what's realistic, you know, and, and what's a good pace for, you know, losing weight. And honestly, I'm really happy with a client who can uh, safely and effectively lose three to five pounds a month. And the trouble with a lot of people is they want to lose 50 pounds in two months and it's just not realistic and so sometimes I'm like trying to pull back on the reins and say you know you're working with old parts here so if you think that you can walk six hours a day and burn a bunch of calories and speed up this process you're just going to end up very sore and uh, you're going to end up with a lot of inflammation and uh, you could end up with an injury that stops the whole process so Let's, let's take a calculated approach to helping you achieve your personal goals. And then let's just monitor what we can. In Deborah's case, we've monitored the scales her, uh, for her literal weight. We've monitored her blood pressure, her daily glucose readings. We've done all of this in my role as a trainer with her. And we've also done time drills. Uh, in other words, how long does it take? To walk three miles. How long does it take to walk one mile? Um, and so these days the training continues but it's it's gone from just being transformative to being in the maintenance realm of physical fitness. Deborah Brown is physically fit these days. Deborah Brown is not limited by a lack of strength or obesity from doing the things a woman her age can and should be able to do. Uh, this creates options, options. As she gets ready to push 60 aside, she has options for where she wants to go, what she wants to do, who she wants to do it, do it with, and the intensity level with what she uh, wants to do. So in setting goals you know and 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 the goals change her goals have changed over the last year right now we're talking about climbing a mountain not a tall mountain about 600 feet but we're talking about doing a non-stop walk uh, from Collinsville Alabama to the top of Lookout Mountain it's about 610 feet and we're talking about doing that this fall so right now uh, the goal is to build up leg strength to enable us to be able to do that. So in setting goals, when we're looking at eight things, we're looking at setting realistic short-term goals. So like yesterday, the goal was to climb 500 feet, but we didn't do it all at one time. We did it in laps around the park and climbing hills that were about 70 feet over and over again. And um, it makes for a, a really hard, sweaty workout. And, uh, and you know, and I, I do this right along with her because 
I'm also at the maintenance phase of my transformation. I lost 105 pounds, got my health back, got my heart straight, got my sugar down, you know, and good things happened for me, and then I went on to become a, a personal trainer. So um, our short term goals that we've set should lead to long-term goals and right now Deborah's long-term goal is to never be back on medication to stay healthy to be healthy to be strong and to be socially engaged those are her long-term goals these little short-term goals like climbing 50 floors being able to climb 50 floors or, or, or 500 feet in a day um, that's a that's a pretty impressive goal and it was doable but, uh, you know, even for that, we began training up, you know. We didn't start, as I told her the other day, I said, could you imagine if on your first day of training with me, I told you we're going to go out here to this, uh, this hilly park and, and climb even one of those hills one time. And she just shook her, her head and she said, no way. <laughs> and, and she probably would have thought I was nuts. But as we've trained you know, and, and stuck with it, we can, we can do this. So, and another thing that's important is setting a training schedule and sticking to it. There is no debate in our minds that we're going to train a minimum of five days a week. And right now we're having to juggle the training schedule uh, with weather, the rain or the extreme heat. One day it's one thing, next day it's another thing. So we've had to have some flexibility in that, but oftentimes, you know, we're kind of all sitting on go until we see what the thunderstorms are doing. And it doesn't matter if it's hot or if it's humid. Uh, as soon as the storms pass through and we've got a break that's gonna last for an hour and a half, we hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it hard. We get about 10,000 steps and we climb uh, the equivalent of a 500 story building and then we vary the days because we don't do hill climbing every day but we do do a lot of it and sometimes we have to make uh, our fatigue work for us uh, and uh, we never train for the purpose of creating pain but you know training is stress on the body there's going to be pain uh, right now even with me I'm working with a tennis elbow you know and I'm having to train around that and, and that's kind of sad because I don't even play tennis. I think I said something about that in the last podcast. Um, and one thing about this training, if you're doing the transformation process, the training that we do has to always challenge us. You know, if I had started Deborah just walking a mile every day uh, and never increased the distance or the speed, one thing, it would be extremely boring. She'd go out and she'd knock out a mile in about 20 to 25 minutes and training would be over. Um, but she's at the point now where a one mile walk is nothing in her words. That's nothing. She can do that blindfolded, do it backwards, do it in her sleep. So in order to attain our goals, we constantly have to have a challenge in front of us. So we've got this uh, mountain climb coming up in September, we hope. And uh, so we're that's the challenge now is to be ready to do that and then do it on the day that we do it we're also doing a a 5k run and that's another goal will we run it we probably won't won't we will probably um, power walk it but uh it's a big long hill climb in, in this particular run that we're going to do um 
So another thing we can do in uh, attaining our, our goals is uh, we have to define what is success for us. You know, um, success for me is to go out and actually participate in a 5K run. But if my goal said I needed to outrun every 20 to 25-year-old that was in the race, that's not realistic. And if I try to do that, I'm just going to get up hurt. I'm going to end up being hurt, and my knees are going to be inflamed, and uh, you know, and my feet are going to hurt, and all kinds of things like that. So, my my definition of success is to still be able to to uh, do the distance, uh, do even greater distances, to keep the pace up. That is success. Um, am I going to? magically appear one day with the physique of a 25-year-old? No way, man! So if that was my goal, to be a sculpted bodybuilder that could compete with people that are a third my age, that's just nuts. That's just nuts. So my goals have to be personal to me, and I have to see my goals as challenging, and my definition of success is I'm still in the game. I'm still fighting. I'm still staying strong. I'm still staying staying healthy. I'm sleeping good. So, and my success is what I say it is. Deborah's success is what she says it is, not what I say it is for her. So that's just an example of steps in attaining um, our goals. Um, another thing is uh, that we need to believe in ourselves and, and we need to have a sense of positive aggression in our training. And that's, that's trainer speak for, uh, I am going to do this workout today no matter what. If I have to wait for a thunderstorm to pass, if I have to wait for darkness so that it's cool enough to even go uh, do my mileage or, or whatever, I'm going to believe that, first of all, I can do it, and I'm going to make sure it happens. Let me take you back to a few years ago when uh, I was just starting to walk. And I don't mean back when I was an infant. I'm talking about when I was still in the weight loss process. The notion of exercise had become foreign to me because I had been sick for a number of years. Uh, It's not that I didn't know how to exercise because the Navy had taught me that. But as I got bigger and more unhealthy, exercise just became an undesirable, unpleasant notion that I didn't feel like I could do. I didn't feel like doing it. I didn't want to do it. I wasn't motivated to even try it. I was just willing to sit there in my own little pity party and make excuses. And uh, But when I started walking, using a Fitbit, tracking my steps and all of that, Uh, you know, I'd get up in the morning and, (sighs) you know, because I was still heavy, you know, I was still well over 250 pounds. And, um, but a trigger for me was, you know, getting up, make my bed, brush my teeth, take care of the morning rituals, maybe get a cup of coffee. And, uh, and, you know, I'd be walking around the house in my house robe. And, uh, but... When I go put my walking shorts on and put those walking shoes on, it was going to happen. This is that um, positive aggression and uh, fostering the potential to get healthy. 
if I'd just get my shoes on, the walk was going to happen. But I had to get my shoes on. I couldn't be walking around the house in my slippers or my flip-flops or, as I call them, my go-to-town shoes. <laughs> but if I'd put on my walking shoes or running shoes, by gosh, that seemed to say, okay, I'm ready now, and I'd get out the door and I'd, I'd go train. Another thing, and, and sometimes it's a sensitive subject to talk about, is to have a strong ego. Yeah, it's, it's got to be restrained, but a strong ego and being proud of yourself and saying, I am really doing this transformation process for me. I own it. I might need some help from my doctor. I might need some help from a trainer. I might need some help from a nutritionist. But I'm the one that's in charge of it. And if you can say that, no, I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter if my kids do it, my spouse does it, my best friends do it. I'm going to do this for me. That's a healthy, egotistical approach to giving yourself a quality life. And who doesn't want a quality life? You know, I'm back in the books because I'm fascinated with the science and the psychology of fitness and transformation. I don't know all the answers, but by immersing myself in the science, uh, considering the people that I work with, from people in their 50s to people in their 90s, I know that this stuff works. And it's hard, but it's one of those things that when you're ready, you talk to me or you talk to your doctor, you talk to a trainer uh, in your hometown, and you start figuring out a plan so that you too can push 60 aside. I feel like I've been talking awful fast today. I apologize for the interruption, but that's just the way my life goes. I have interruptions, but I can tell you this, this afternoon, when this rain is over, we're gonna be out there busting it for about four miles and getting some good exercise for our legs, our hips, our feet, our calves, uh, <laughs> for our hearts, because we really do this stuff and it's one of the highest priorities in our life now. Make your fitness and your health your priority. Uh, be selfish about it. Take charge and uh, get some people in your corner that'll help you. Thank you for listening to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. It's always a pleasure to record my thoughts and to have you uh, interact with me, to share the podcast with others. Uh, life after 60 is, in fact, tougher. And if you haven't figured that out by now, uh, it, it is. And, and it's going to get tougher. But I don't want my days being defined solely by uh, remembering to take my medications, uh, checking the calendar to see if I have a doctor's appointment today or tomorrow, uh, saying, no, I just don't feel like going. I don't want any of that. I want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise to my final day when God says, hey, Gene, come on home. It's all over. And uh, when that time comes, I hope that people, you know, think back and say, well, you know, he lived a pretty good life and he took care of himself. Until next time, may God bless. As an add-on to this uh, particular episode, I have to say that I did make one mistake. I said a 500-floor building at one point. And I meant to say 500 foot. Hey, you know, it's live. It's what you get. And uh, that's why we have to preview these 
episodes before we release them. Thank you again for listening. May God bless.